0: Long time no talk.
1: Today is Monday, May 15th, 2023, time for episode 191 of the Barnhart Podcast. Not any news going on whatsoever, Anne. It's um, oh, we did actually get some questions about vitamin D, yeah, but but aside from that, and we'll get back to that in a minute, just no news going on. Um, do, have you gotten your your annual uh, or every every other year uh, updates from somebody saying, Anne, you need to run for office, you need to be senator of Colorado or something like that?
2: Oh, I think I've been railing against public office for. Oh, oh, it's it's over 10 years, um, probably closer to 12 now. I think people now have finally gotten the message that um, no, no, there's not going to be any running for office. In fact, Barnhart axiom number two specifically disqualifies running for office on the grounds that anybody who would seek or have any desire to hold, especially high level national public office is psychologically and morally unfit to hold said office. And that's, that's where we are now in this cultural vicious circle of the whole thing is such a catastrophic mess and so irredeemable at this point that you can't even go in and fix it and that you would even want to that you would even want to be within five statute miles of Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Joe Biden or uh, whatever the, the the putative vice president, that retarded woman's name is. I don't, it's, it's demonic, so I don't utter it. Um, why would you want anything to do with any of those people? How could you stand to carry on conversations with any of those people? How could you stand to be in the same room with any of those people? And how could you morally live with yourself if you were lending any sort of legitimacy whatsoever to any of that garbage going on, most especially in Washington, DC? Why would you want to be a part of the deep state? Why would you want to be a part of that corruption? Why, Why would you think That you could flirt with the devil, that you could literally march into hell itself and think that, you know, you're going to come away from that unscathed and you're going to come away from that uncorrupted. Or you're going to come away from that and the lives of your wife and your children have all been permanently damaged, if not ruined.
1: But the pension and the health care benefits are absolutely awesome, Anne.
2: Well, it, it isn't even that, you know, that's the least of it. The fact of the matter is this, is that anybody who actually does um, file the paperwork and get any sort, even the most, even the most laughably bad um, presidential campaign, anyone who actually can get that off the ground and then have, you know, fundraising going out. And you know, there, there's all kinds of gullible people who will throw money at something like that. I think it's safe to say that your balance sheet would increase by it would be probably in the high seven figures, if not the eight figures. And I mean, right now, your balance sheet is is your your plus 10 million on your balance sheet. Really? I mean, it's it's so obviously a grift. It's all a grift. It's all you know, I'm sure And and in case the listenership doesn't know who we're talking about here. Let's let's call spades spades. This is Taylor Marshall. Doctor Taylor Marshall has announced that he is seriously legit running for president. And I'm sorry, you say, well, and you know, somebody needs to stand up and articulate Catholic positions, and and this, that, and the other. This is not the way to do it. This is grifting. You don't engage in in grifting and money grubbing. And and um, crawling into bed with the with the nexus of evil on this planet, which is the Washington D.C. deep state, the executive branch, uh, and and so on and so forth. You you don't you don't dance with that devil. It's like saying I'm gonna. <laughs> it's like saying you're gonna go sit in a gay bathhouse, and that's how you're gonna and that's how you're going to convert sodomites. I mean, no, 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 you, you do not do this. This is clearly a, pub, a publicity stunt. Um, and you know, you look at the comments on his videos and stuff where he's come out and said, yes, I'm, I'm running in 2024 for president. This is serious that all kinds of people are saying, yeah, go! I'll support you. I'll give you money. Kaching, 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 kaching. You say, well, Anne, you're you're a hypocrite because you have a donation button on your website. Yeah, I sure do. And um, I'm I'm telling you, it's not friends and neighbors. It's not eight figures that's coming in, that's coming in. And I loathe it and I despise it. And I pray God that someday and sooner rather than later something will happen. Some eventuality will take place so that I can take the stupid thing down. That would just be that would be legit the answer to years and years and years of prayer. Having said that, um, uh, this this grifting and, and and running for president. I mean, you you know, it's futile, you know, it's ridiculous. Well, he's going to be inserting uh, Catholic talking points into into the conversation. Well, no, he's not. No, he's not. This this is just getting. Good-natured, well-intentioned Catholic people to give him money so that he can so that he can do this publicity stunt. And I'm sorry, I think it's awful. I think it is revolting. Um, it's everything that's wrong. Um, it's completely unserious. And that's the other thing, Taylor Marshall. <laughs> he, <laughs> you want to sit down and have a have a conversation about monetary theory? What are you going to do about the fact that the U S dollar is um, completely and totally worthless? Uh, You want to, we want to sit down and have a conversation about banking theory. Where are you on that? You want to sit down and have a conversation about how you're going to deal with um, the Sino-Russian axis, how you're going to deal with trade, maintaining, you know, maintaining the movement of commodities, um, maintaining the the movement and the, the production of oil and oil derivatives, I mean, you're not qualified.
1: Well, maybe he can tap you for treasury secretary or commerce.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he ain't tapping me for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, it's, it's just, it's insulting to me that someone who just really has no idea what he's talking about says, I'm going to go and I'm going to run on a platform of, um, uh banning all abortions which absolutely 100 percent, everybody who's morally sane absolutely agrees on that point i'm going to run on a platform of um making contraception illegal absolutely every catholic should be on board with that but you're you're not serious in terms of being the chief executive of the, of the united states you're not serious in terms of being the commander in chief of, of the most powerful military Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say that at this point, because, you know, the United States military is top to bottom riddled with sodomites. And so how are you going to, how are you going to maintain and move forward as commander in chief with a military that is completely and totally corrupt? How are you going to go up against the Pentagon, the deep state, not just in the in Foggy Bottom, but at the Pentagon? Uh, I mean, this is this is unserious. And I find it I just find it insulting when people do completely when unserious people do unserious things in in the context of something that's as massive as this is. Um, Yeah, it's that's that's super cute. Let's 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 pass a law that says like in italy that there has to be a crucifix hanging in every public building and every public school room well great what are you going to do about the fact that nobody's going to get social security and nobody's going to get medicare and the entire medical and medical complex is is going to implode yes that's great hanging a crucifix in every in every public building and in every every school classroom what about all this other stuff? You're just going to embarrass yourself and embarrass all of us because you're clearly not serious. And this is clearly a publicity stunt. And it's clearly about generating donations and increasing your balance sheet. And I'm, I'm patently offended by it.
1: Okay, so that's a no on Treasury Secretary.
2: It does, <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard no. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it it does raise a logical question though, and that's one of the things I tweeted out. Is that you know what could a president? Let's say, let's just say for the sake of argument, he got elected. He's not going to get in with a supermajority of people who agree with him. What can the president actually do anymore? And I posted, exactly. this, I posted this exactly. on Twitter, and I posted it actually on No Agenda Social, and I got a lot more. Uh, good answers on no, no social, but uh, it, the the best answer I thought, or one, one of the things, the, the actually I'm not even sure the president could do this, but one of the things that theoretically would be under his control would be all the executive actions and, and the actions of the executive branch. So one, one of the ideas I really like is recall all overseas troops, bring them all home. Why are we overseas? Is there some immediate need for us to be anywhere other than the United States at the moment? Because we have actually a pretty alarming need to have troops on our southern border right now.
2: So when you say overseas trips, you mean vacate Okinawa, vacate Ger- Germany, vacate vacate every, um, vacate Sigonella and and um, and Naples and all of the Mediterranean. I was thinking
1: more along the lines of the hundred countries where we have boots on the ground that we may or may not acknowledge. Everyone out of Afghanistan, well, and yeah, Iraq, yeah. um, all of Africa. Get everybody out of Ukraine for crying out loud. Um, ask the Germans, like, why do you need us here? If you need us, if you really want us here start paying, uh, we're not doing this for free anymore. Same thing, the same thing with the Japanese, I don't know that the Japanese need us there anymore, maybe just uh, as a backstop, but they're willing to, they're willing to pay for it. When
2: when the, when the Chinese, uh, start a war to take back Taiwan, they will. And I, I suppose the argument can be made that if, that if somebody isn't there, that the Chinese could just could just steamroll over Japan. Um, I does Japan what what is Japan's situation militarily even? I mean, they were they were prohibited from having a military for all intents and purposes for quite some time. So, what do they even have at this point? I don't I don't think Japan has any real defense outside of us and the threat of us. It's just and us, you know, we're right there also have heavy presence in, in Korea um, is, is the police action. I think technically the police action on the Korean peninsula is still ongoing technically, according to the Pentagon. Um, I it's, yeah, it's, but your point is absolutely true. And it's, it's something that's frustrated me for years, like decades now about American presidential campaigns and presidential politics is that you've got these people, whoever it is, you know, all throughout my adult, uh, all throughout my adult life, whoever's running for president is, has this platform and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I was only sitting there thinking, wait a minute, you have to have Congress. You have to have Congress go along with that. And then you, there, Congress starts it, passes the bill and then you sign it. All of these, massive, massive sweeping changes, and some of the things that people are talking about would require amending the Constitution, which means what? Like some sort of a massive congressional supermajority, and then it goes to the states and 75% of the states have to ratify the, the changing of the Constitution. What, what are you talking about all these things? It's, it's all farce, it's all entertainment. What's the, wor- what's the word that I discovered in 2016? I don't take credit for it, but I did discover it for myself in 2016. Kayfabe, professional wrestling. It's all fake, but we maintain th- in front of the audience, we maintain the, the fiction and the facade that you know they're against each other and they actually don't like each other. And when, in fact, they're all best buddies back behind the curtain and backstage in the dressing rooms, it's all fake. So when they're talking about I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do the other in terms of running for president. Well, no, you aren't because you have to get it through Congress. And, yeah, I mean, OK, the Taylor Marshall uh <laughs> Make make contraception illegal again in the United States, as it was up until the middle of the 20th century, um, you're going to get zero, literally zero congressional support on that, because the situation in the United States and in all of the post-Christian West, let's be honest, is so far gone that no sort of representative government or anything that even tangentially is related to quote unquote democracy is viable at this point because the entire because the populace is so far gone so morally degenerated have so completely thoroughly and unanimously turned their backs on god that you cannot have any sort of of a democracy or representative republic situation, the only path forward from here, and I know everybody hates to hear it, is monarchy, monarchy of some sort. We've talked about this before. You have to have power sufficiently concentrated, and yes, in one person even, sufficiently concentrated in one person that they can go in and just start knocking heads and saying, we're abolishing the department of education. We are completely. We are eliminating the internal revenue service and we're eliminating the income tax. We're, we're having a national sales tax now or whatever it is. You have to have the power concentrated in one person because the number of people who are morally sane and who are intellectually, but mo- mo- most importantly, morally fit to fix anything in the earthly sphere is so minuscule that the 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 model of democracy or representative governance is simply totally 100 percent not feasible at this point you could have made the argument that it was still feasible um a couple few decades ago that it was still salvageable you you cannot make that argument anymore um which (laughs) segue Uh, Nurse Claire, Nurse Claire is with us and the reason Nurse Claire is with us today, we alluded to it on the last episode, is one of the things that we want to talk about is what actually is the cutting edge and what is going on inside the hospitals, inside the medical industry, in terms of what they are doing, in terms of mutilating human beings and especially children. So, Nurse Claire, welcome dear, how are you?
0: hi
2: hello i'm good (laughs) long time no talk long time no talk (laughs) and i i have to thank you for doing the deep dive on this research i mean i was getting um we were both getting messages from you saying guys this is just this is so satanic this is so evil Mm So, what, well, first of all, what, give us a rundown of what you are already seeing on the ground in your position as a
0: nurse anesthetist in a major metropolitan hospital. All right. So, the hospital that I currently work at, um, we have a plastic surgeon on staff who does some. So it's no longer called sex change like it was when I was a kid in the 80s. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's it's morphed. It went from sex change to sexual reassignment to Mm -hmm. gender reassignment. And now it's called the very sugar-coated, very lovely, very gentle, gender-affirming care. Yeah, yeah. Um so we have a plastic surgeon who is gender affirming. Um but he doesn't he's not a urologist or a gynecologist so he doesn't do the bottom it's called bottom surgery the genital part. Yeah. Um yeah. he is doing um the top surgery which again is a u- euphemism. I mean a top surgery calling it top surgery is is hiding the reality of what it is. It is a total mastectomy mm-hmm. on women, uh, as young as 13, 14 years old. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. And then the other procedures that he's been doing lately, um, are called facial feminization. Mm-hmm. And these are very brutal, very long. Uh, I have seen them last 10 hours. I've seen them last oh. or 14 hours and there are various things that fall under the umbrella of facial feminization. Um, that includes um, shaving down the forehead, shaving down the Adam's apple, shaving the nose to make the nose look more feminine, um, softening the jawline, and oftentimes Uh, The patient is cut from ear to ear. The face is peeled down um, to expose all the bone. There's a lot of blood loss. These men often require a blood transfusion. It is truly a life-threatening operation. It's a prolonged general anesthetic with lots of blood loss. Um, So that's what's happening in my hospital. And what prompted this conversation, I mean, we've been talking about this among each other in our own little private chat group, our little text group with one another. But a few weeks ago, I met a woman at my parish. Um, she was introduced to me by a mutual friend who approached me and said, hey, listen, I've got this friend and she just wants to meet someone else that works in healthcare care um, to talk to. And I said, Okay, so he introduced us. And I'm not going to say exactly what this woman does to try to preserve some anonymity. But she is a healthcare provider. And the first thing out of her mouth is, I cannot believe how the trans stuff is exploding. Yeah. And she said, I'm encountering trans, quote, unquote, trans children, weekly, in my practice. And she said, um, well, the next thing that she said, validated a thought that I had been having for some time. It was almost like she could read my mind. Um, Not that we believe in that. But she articulated exactly what has been in my head. She said, People have no idea how huge this is because I talked to my social network of friends, my Catholic moms, even other people in this room, you know, and we were in our parish social hall. And she said, mm-hmm. these people have no idea what's going on. And that's mm-hmm. been my experience as well. People think this is some um, far flung article you're gonna see on Life Site, or, you know, some rando story that pops up on the internet about uh, some crazy parent that wants to trans uh, transition their child. And I assure you, this is this is so much bigger than that. Um, if you just look in the public school systems where you live, you will find trans kids in elementary mm-hmm. schools. And also June, you know, <laughs> oh, where we, know, I know we, we um, are devoted to the sacred heart of our Lord during month of June, mm-hmm. but um the secular world acknowledges the month of June as being pride month. And so, mm-hmm you know everybody out there that's listening to this get off the internet for a few weeks yeah. quit looking at social media because you know pretty soon it's going to be the rainbow oreo cookies and all that crap that they march out for pride month but um yeah. the clothing the apparel stores are starting to put out their pride clothing now in may in order to get you know people prepared for june i guess and They are marketing Target, you know, Target being one of them. I saw also Old Navy, Um, they have children's clothes, pride clothes, and some of the stuff at Target is um, tuck friendly, tucking friendly, and I, I don't wanna scandalize the listenership, but we have to have an adult conversation about how diabolical this is, in, in some of the things that are going on, there are major academic and pediatric medical centers that have PDF files on their websites accessible to not only parents, but you know, maybe a middle schooler who's got unfettered access to the internet and a lack of parental supervision. They've got PDF files instructing people how to bind their chest, how to um, boys, how to tuck. You can use your imagination what that involves in order to give themselves a flat appearance in their pants. Um, and girls who think that they are boys, um how to to pack it's called packing how to pack yeah. their pants um and this clothing and these products are being marketed to children not just little adults, children little, little children. children and yeah it's with regards to the adults we have to be careful as catholics to not fall into this libertarian viewpoint Mm -hmm. Um, of, well, you know, if they're an adult, they can, you know, they, whatever, adults can do what they wanna do. It is certainly egregious to do this to children who are not capable of consenting, but we also cannot condone this or accept this in the adult population i
2: see it already
0: it's already happening we're all already slipping into
2: well if it if it's an adult it's an adult let's focus now on the fact that they're doing this to little kids no it, it this can, this cannot be approved legalized it should be every bit as much of a crime for some for some satanic doctor to mutilate bruce jenner as it is to mutilate a little kid. It should be engaging in that sort of human mutilation should be, it should be a capital crime. It should be a capital crime. The death penalty should be on the table for anybody who participates in this. And it should be a crime to do it to yourself in exactly the same way that suicide was a crime. Attempting suicide was a crime until, I mean, not too terribly long ago. If you committed suicide or attempted suicide and you failed, I don't know if the listenership even remembers this, but you could be you could be brought up on charges. It was it's a crime to attempt to murder yourself. It is likewise a crime to engage in mutilation like this. Catastrophic. Um, Just, I don't need to tell you. Just utterly, utterly, utterly catastrophic. And there's going to be so many tendrils in this conversation that come back, Um, you know, uh, tying you know Taylor Marshall's fake run for president in back to all of this. And how are you going to deal with this? And are you willing to take a stand that says that any doctor who a engages in in an abortion is, okay, we're talking about, we're clearly talking about first-degree murder here. Um, any doctor who engages in um, any sort of transmutilation surgery, capital capital offense, death death penalty is on the table in sort of the same way that rape would be on the table. I mean, this stuff is going beyond anything that the Nazis were doing, and the Nazis at least still had enough shame back in the day for whatever egregious, sickening things that Mengele and the rest of them were doing, that they kept it hidden. This crap, they're, they're, <laughs> talking about Pride Month, they are, in fact, proud of this. They are rubbing it in everyone's faces, and they are daring anyone to do anything about it. And so far, nobody is doing anything about it. And um, I don't know, the the Bud Light thing is maybe a a, a spark of maybe people are, are willing to 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 do something, even if it's just change from drinking one horrible, horrible rot gut beer to another brand of horrible, horrible rot gut beer. But at least at least it is something. But yeah, we need to be having a conversation about these being capital crimes, and then following up on that, um, shutting all of these clinics down absolutely everything, defunding a hospital right now that is doing all of this, um, on and on and on. And there's, there's so much more to talk about. So continue
0: on, keep pick up where you left off, dear. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know where I left off. I mean, you could just, there's so much to say about this. You could just start anywhere. But um, oh, I know what
2: I wanted to talk about. And it's it's in the context that we're talking about vitamin D and ivermectin, and they aren't telling us these drugs are effective, these drugs don't work. They're trying to withhold effective drugs to keep people spending massive amounts of money. And, and basically, it's a huge wealth shift into big pharma um, with the insurance companies and the government as the middleman just facilitating this wealth shift. I would like for you to talk about what is the pharmaceutical requirement for these poor, miserable people who have done this to themselves for the rest of their lives?
0: There's multiple steps involved for the little, little kids that want to transition or think they want to transition. They're not chemically, they're, they're not experiencing puberty. They're not developing secondary sex Um characteristics yet. So the process for those children starts with a social transition with allowing them to wear clothes of the opposite sex, change their name, change their hair, um, you know, live life as this alternative person. Um, And then whenever they begin to enter puberty, they're put on puberty blockers, which I mean, Mm -hmm. these have, they're marketed as being reversible. Uh, They're not reversible. They're not reversible. No, the damage is done and it's catastrophic irreversible damage, yeah. Correct, and then after the puberty blockers, they're put on cross sex hormones And these oftentimes tend to be very high doses. And they have a multitude of um, pretty substantial side effects, Um, Mm -hmm. cardiac problems, Mm -hmm. uh, metabolic resistance, and type two diabetes, all all sorts of psychiatric issues. Um, So then you're going on medications to treat the side effects of medications. Oh um, and imagine then, that. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. Correct. And then the surgical uh, the surgical procedures themselves. So the top surgeries and the facial feminizations, those are done to mitigate the appearance of the secondary sex characteristics. But the genital Um, The bottom surgeries, those are extremely painful, um, lifelong complications, and the organs that are created, quote, unquote, (laughs) are purely cosmetic, um, not functional. Of course. So, um, and there's a lot of pain that is involved with those surgeries, chronic, that develop develops into chronic pain. And then also, um, these individuals, because these, this whole entire process in total, is sterilizing, these patients, oftentimes, when they begin their transition, they're offered either um, banking of sperm or egg harvesting and banking of eggs, because they're told, you deserve to have a child. So Mm -hmm. they're offered these fertility sparing procedures um, that then later in life would involve the use of assisted reproductive technologies, which anyone that knows anything about in vitro fertilization would know that it's quite expensive. Um, So the estimate that I have seen is that one of these patients over the span of their life would require somewhere around 7 million dollars of healthcare. Mhm. So it mm-hmm. tends to become incredibly financially lucrative for pharmaceutical companies um and for hospitals and these, you know, gender clinics. And then corporations are now getting into this. Um I saw earlier today when I was Researching some of these things that Sephora offers a lot of makeup classes for these men. I I, yeah. I don't want to call them women. I, I hate saying the word trans women, but that's what they. I no, that's uh, what they no. call themselves. They are men. They're men um, in drag.
2: Men in drag.
0: Men in, men in drag. Yeah. Men in drag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and just to give everybody, um, to get you caught up on your vocabulary. So that you when you hear these things, you know what they mean. So they're the two primary terms that you'll hear in this conversation are cis and trans. So a cis male or a cis female is a person who lives their life according to their their biological sex. So in the trans community, it's it's almost become kind of a slur to refer to oh, a yeah. person as cis, but um they would refer to me as a cis female because mm-hmm. I I'm a woman I'm a mm-hmm. mother I'm a wife I'm a woman
1: wait when did sis mm-hmm. stop referring to somebody as being straight because I thought cis white male implied heterosexual but you're but my understanding is now and again I'm, I'm I, I know where you're drawing some of your notes mm-hmm. from I don't know But they're, they're referring to gay men as who were born male obviously yeah. as cis yes. gay people. people's like wait you people are are, are mutilating the languages as, as much as you're mutilating your bodies
0: yeah um so a cis male would be you super nerd and a trans male would be a, a biological female who's masquerading as a man um i'm not sure that the word cis ever did refer to non-straight um i, I think was, it's
2: always been straight i think cis refers to um the the Or i'm sorry straight se- the, yeah the sex identity and that and that then within that you're either gay or straight because because there's right there's like trans trans lesbians yes and
0: trans gay men i mean it's just it's it goes on and on and on and then you get into the non-binary and the gender non-conforming and it's enough to make your eyeballs roll back in your head but
2: do you do either of you have any idea one that i keep seeing cropping up is dual spirit
0: have you seen this no, and I probably don't even want to know. That just sounds purely from that hell. That sounds like that completely from I was going to say yeah. they,
1: that that's an appropriate case of pronouns being they, them, because it's referring to the legion of demons infesting them.
2: Yeah, exactly. But the, dual spirit, it sounds like they're trying to weave and, and not even being ashamed of it. They're trying to weave what sounds to me like the preternatural and uh, possible demonic involvement or something yeah. into all of very this and, and aren't even ashamed. They aren't even ashamed of it. It seems to me it's, uh, it's unreal. Now you found, you did some research and, um, I mean, a horror of horrors. There, there are legitimate, uh, research institutions trying to figure out how to transplant, uh, uteruses yeah. into men. Is that, is that correct?
0: Yeah, and that goes along with what I said, these um, individuals are often told that they deserve to have a child, which here again, we're talking about the secular medical community that has turned children into commodities with things like in mm-hmm. vitro fertilization. I mean, this is, you know, we said this years ago, when you step on this slippery slope, this is where the logical conclusion of those sort of things. So yeah, um, they're have been uterine transplants done I don't have the numbers I was reading about them earlier today and now I can't find the numbers there's been I think at least a hundred done in the United States Um, there are a few institutions that are doing those Uh, Baylor I want to say in Texas Cleveland Clinic a couple others uh, University of Pennsylvania I think Um, but they have pioneered this procedure. It started out, Oh, look, we can help these poor pregnant these poor women that can't, you know, carry pregnancy because they have some uterine anomaly. So they have pioneered this procedure to transplant a uterus from a cadaver, a cadaveric donor. Um, into women. And there have been successful um, live births that have resulted from these transplants. Yep. And now this procedure, I mean, you know, the old saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So you're you're Mm -hmm. doing this to try to help somebody. And that's been co-opted now by the trans community. So there um, have been a couple of papers that have been published identifying, uh, you know, the majority of trans women, which are men, okay, let's be clear. (laughs) Yeah, men who think they're women or who are presenting themselves as women, ages 20 to 29. um, It's upwards of 80% of them have have expressed a desire to menstruate and to um, Carry a pregnancy, so this procedure would allow them to do that. And there are is the desire,
2: even, the desire to menstruate, is one hundred percent purely a sexual nuts. fetish. Yes, it's, it's a fetish. Yes, and there's there have been men who have been running around with this fetish for for quite some time. Oh, yeah, this isn't yes. actually anything new, but it's it's straight up a sexual fetish. And it's, it's a, a psychiatric. It's a, yes. And it's gross too. And it's, a, yeah, well, I mean, it's all a psychiatric problem. It's a massive psycho-spirit- psycho-spiritual problem. And I'm not just saying this because I'm shaking my fist at God because, you know, ooh, menstruation isn't fun. No, I think everybody in the listenership understands the point that I'm making. This right. doesn't have anything to do with... <laughs> it, it, it. It's... there's nothing good
0: about it there's just nothing good about that
2: it's it's called the curse for a reason and there's there's no reason that you would want anything to do with that unless you had some sort of a massively disordered sexual fantasy life that revolved around it
0: but this there is talk among the trans community uh it's very serious talk too not just oh internet forum chit chat i mean conferences, um, papers being published, research studies. There's very serious talk among the trans community of hooking up um, female to male transitioners. So women who want to transition. No, no females, females that don't want their female body parts anymore, hooking them up with a man uh trans who does and then doing a live donation procedure taking removing that woman's uterus um and by default her vagina as well and then transplanting that into a man and (laughs) just listening to this like i mean i don't know this is real this isn't this isn't speculative thought
2: it in reddit groups they are literally yeah working on
0: this and dedicating enormous amounts of money to doing this they're presenting this at medical conferences and one of the people who's funding uh one of the groups that's funding um some of these studies is the welcome trust which is based in the UK, um, very old philothrum, philo, I can't pronounce the word. Philanthropic, yeah. Yep, organization from the 1930s. But you know, when you look at that organization, it just smacks of some George Soros slash Bill Gates World Economic Forum type thing. Yeah. They, they've funded a lot of really strange climate change um studies they've had their fingers in the ebola stuff which is pretty sketchy and of course Mm -hmm. covid so um the and they're funding these uh uterine transplant papers that are being published in legitimate medical journals so yeah but you know the point too is that this is we've medicine has never done this, right? No. We've never had patients come in and say, Oh, hey, this is what's wrong with me. And I demand this, you know, life altering, life changing, permanent and irreversible thing, and I'm 15 years old. Yeah. Um, and, and here we are, not only mm-hmm. have we responded to this by giving these people what they're demanding, but we've responded to it by leaps and bounds, Every major academic medical center in the United States, or most of them anyway, the overwhelming majority of them have a transgender clinic. The Mm -hmm. overwhelming majority of pediatric academic medical centers have a transgender clinic. Um, Mm -hmm. Corporations, I mean, this has gone so mainstream, so mainstream, and it's like living in the emperor's new clothes, Mm -hmm. like no one, no one sees anything wrong everybody goes along with it target um uh ulta you know um what was the airline that just was all on the trans proud of all their trans staff members i mean no one no one's calling this out for what it is which is a severe psychiatric disorder the majority of these patients also have a concurrent psychiatric diagnosis, and many of them have more than one. A, a oh, yeah. profound number of them are autistic, um, have major depressive order uh, disorder with um, OCD, obsessive compulsive tendencies, mm-hmm. um, and instead of giving them cognitive therapy, we're just mutilating them, absolutely yeah. mutilating them, and no one, no one calls that out. No one thinks there's anything wrong with that. Everybody goes along with this? I think you touched on it. Because when you said,
2: especially when you do it to children, what it does is that they never develop any secondary sexual characteristics. And so in a certain sense, they maintain a childlike physique to a certain extent. And I think that pedophilia is actually what's driving a lot of it. And especially driving what's behind, um, clearly, the childhood aspect of it. Um, pedophilia and a they want to just keep everybody as like this bizarre um, um androgynous um quasi child but yet who who is technically le- legally able to consent to sodomy i think i think that's what one of the major drivers here is is that it's it's sodomites who are driving this to get to get um you know, victims for their for their
0: sickening, sickening compulsions and their sickening desires. It is certainly a sexual perversion. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to even say. Um, and it's the targeting of children. Um, the gay rights movement took a long time to get where it's at. You know, mm-hmm. if you think back to even the 90s, with the Clintons and their rise to power because let's be fair it wasn't just Bill running things it was her yep. too of um course. you know if you think back to the early 90s one of their uh main focus that they entered into the national conversation was gays in the military and people lost their minds i mean there was yeah. huge pushback against that and oh, they yeah. saw i think that the country wasn't ready for that. They had to mm-hmm. prime people with things like will and grace, um, all of this, you know, Hollywood portrayal of gay people being just like us, except they're gay. Except and, superior,
2: superior. Yes. I was having a conversation with a priest about this like last week, It's like, no, they're presented as always being The smart one, the wise one, the together one, the funny witty, everybody likes fun to be around, caring, caring, empathetic, friends, physically attractive, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, it's been absolutely relentless. And I think it goes back even further. If you get on YouTube and you watch, this is a show that when I was a child was must see TV every Saturday night. was the golden girls do you remember the golden girls with the four old women living in the house together i am shocked going back and looking and all i can figure is that i didn't know what homosexuality was so a lot of the jokes and the storylines went straight over my head when i because i was young enough that show is just packed with uh sodomite propaganda packed with sodomite propaganda and there's one post that I made because I did remember this. Um, there was an episode on The Golden Girls where the skanky one, Blanche, the slut, not the bumpkin, not the country bumpkin played by Betty White, no, the skanky slut played by uh, Rue McClanahan. The ca- character's name was Blanche. Um, she, uh, uh, Dorothy, the the odious and horrible B. Arthur, who. who what a revolting woman and has been just an absolute, was a militant, militant communist her entire life. Um, She, she, her character said, well, Blanche, you know, so-and-so this, this, you know, this character who had just matriculated into the, into the episode for just for that episode. So-and-so let's, let's say her name is Jackie. Jackie is a lesbian and, and Blanche comes back and says, You mean like Danny Thomas. And the joke is Danny Thomas at the, at that point in the eighties, he was still famous enough. Everybody knew that Danny Thomas, the entertainer um, who had a sitcom for years and years and years, the Danny Thomas show he's Lebanese, he's Lebanese. So the joke that was being made is that the skanky slut, the worldliest one of the bunch of them, didn't even know what lesbianism was or what the word meant now stop and think about that didn't even know what it meant and then you know the dorothy character had to explain it to her no no dear not not lebanese lesbian and then what that meant that that And that, and the the joke was, I mean, it was just absolutely uproarious laughter. It wasn't people rolling their eyes and saying, well, that's dumb, Nobody, nobody would make that mistake. No, lots of people would make that mistake. Lots of people in 1985, grown adult people, you could say the word lesbian to them and they wouldn't know what it meant. Now, plenty did, but plenty didn't. And so that's been pushed hard. It was in the 70s, the sitcoms in the 70s had gay characters. Then you even go back and you look at sitcoms in the 60s like Bewitched. Bewitched had these gay uncle characters traipsing through all the time. And in retrospect, as an adult, and now knowing what we all know, you go back and watch this and you're like, oh yeah, that guy was an absolute flamer. But it was just, it was normalizing that flaming sodomite situation and trying to, trying to convey that this, was, that this was normal and acceptable and in any way tolerable. And it's not, it is, it is literally intolerable. And it is precisely because we are tolerating this that we're gonna be destroyed. We absolutely are so far beyond Sodom and Gomorrah at this point it's not even debatable. I mean, handing children over, parents handing their little teeny tiny children over to what is not just human sacrifice. I mean, a lot of these kids would be better off if their parents would just slit their throats because the lives that these kids are gonna have after their psycho satanic, especially mothers, are handing them over and engaging in this human sacrifice is just way beyond anything that was going on in sodom and gomorrah and it's also way beyond what's the race super nerd the the race it's the canaanites wasn't it the canaanites that you know that everybody's going off about the god of the old testament is this god of wrath and you know why the canaanites why god told israel to go grease the canaanites child sacrifice child sacrifice is the reason why And we're, we're doing something that's just, I mean, if you, if you killed your baby or slit, slit your little four-year-old's throat, I mean, that child had not reached the age of reason. Um, you know, that child had not committed any sin. What they're now doing is getting these kids into where they're, they're planning for them to live decades and they're planning for them to live decades in the state of perpetual sodomy. And, um, just waking up breathing every day for these people is, is a species of sin in and of itself because every, every aspect of how they present themselves, how they live their lives, everything, even how they think of themselves down to the pronoun question is sinful, mortally sinful. And so I think this is, this has to be the end game. I, I don't know how much further it can go. and. You look at, at the world and you look at China and you say, China, could y'all hurry up, please? Because a lot of us have had quite enough of and this. And to
1: your question, and my context in the Middle East are more versed in current affairs than Old Testament, so I'm not sure which race that was. But wasn't that also one that, um, yes, they, the the Jews were told to wipe them out, but they didn't do it?
2: And they were punished for not doing it. But they tolerated Exactly. Yes. Where,
1: where have we heard toleration before?
2: No. <laughs>
0: Well, you're going to hear a lot more of it once June 1st rolls around. I'll tell you that right now. Well, the children are targeted um, in the school system, the public school system. I really wish people would be aware of what is going on with the the ideology that's presented, with the teachers who are transgender themselves, and then with the introduction of um, different websites that target these kids. If you listen to... Testimonies, and there there are a lot of detransitioners. Mm-hmm. You're not told that by the mainstream media; they ignore those people. But there are a lot of detransitioners—people um, who, when they are 25, 30 years old, they are regretting the things that they did when they were 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and these people, <clears throat> some of them, have become pretty outspoken activists. And they'll talk about how, um, you know, they were a girl going through puberty who felt awkward about their body. And someone in a chat room on Reddit or Tumblr or whatever, Instagram, convinced them that, well, if you don't like the sound of your voice, that's because you're trans. If you don't like Mm -hmm. how your voice sounds, it's because you're trans. And then these kids are are taking themselves in some cases to planned parenthood this is oh uh, yeah 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 this is Mm -hmm. we've known about this for a while at least since the trump administration if not before i was aware that planned parenthood was one of the largest distributors of cross-sex hormones Mm -hmm. Um, and when you hear some of these people speak you know you would get the impression when you listen to mainstream media, you get the impression that these sorts of medical procedures and medical treatments are not done until the patient has been vetted by a multidisciplinary panel oh, of no. physicians. And that is categorically false. I am here to tell you that is not reality. Oftentimes these people um, are meeting with one physician Um, or they're going to Planned Parenthood and meeting with one provider, whether it's a nurse practitioner or whatever, and they're leaving their appointment on the same day with cross sex hormones. Yeah, I I mean, and Planned Parenthood is a major, major player in this industry. Mm -hmm. There is no diagnostic test. For transgenderism, you can't have. Of course not, because it's it's not real. Correct, but oftentimes you hear them attempt to shut down the conversation by citing people who have rare genetic disorders like um, Kleinfelters and things like that. They'll cite those very rare genetic anomalies as justification for what they're doing, and. People should understand there's not a blood test. There's no gene to say that you're trans. There's no blood test. There's no diagnostic test. These are ideas that are put in um, the minds of these people, oftentimes by social media, oftentimes by um, television, by um, uh, the school system, whatever. And they're being acted upon by... People who really should know better. Predators. The word for yes. them is predators, predators, which goes
2: back to the the criminal, you know, setting a criminal standard for all this and clearly the criminal standard should be that it's a capital crime.
0: Yeah. Well, and the the other conversation the other tactic that's used to shut down conversation and shut down debate, in particular parents who object to this. Um, The other tactic that's being used is the suicide statistic. Well, would you rather have a dead son or a live daughter? Um, Mm -hmm. And that is easily debunked. If you look at a country like Sweden, Sweden has socialized medicine from womb to tomb. Every person Mm -hmm. born in sweden becomes part of a gigantic database because of their government health care so when you look retrospectively at sweden you see that post-operative people people who have transitioned their suicide rate is identical to what it is prior to transitioning and what that is is 41, I think, or 42% higher than the, they have a 41% higher risk of suicide than the general population, both preoperatively and postoperatively. So this, um doing all of these cosmetic procedures and loading these people up on medications is not treating the problem. This is a profound, um psycho spiritual disease. And if you really want to be charitable, we need to be offering these people true solutions to their, their feelings, their dysphoria. Oh, hey, do you want me to say something really, really unpopular? Hey, Taylor
2: Marshall, let's hear you talk about this. How about the need to build um, mental asylums and get these people in supervised inpatient Long-term care, if that's if that is what is required to keep them from self-harming like this, um, and you know we've we've got the situation with the young marine who um, defended and manfully um, did the right thing and, and defended a, a subway car full of people from a, a crazed, crazed, super mentally ill uh, black man, and it's the good thing. One of the good things that's coming out of all this is that, you know, the statistics about, well, let's take a look at how many inpatient um, mental asylums there are in the United States. If you look at that graph, first of all, there's hardly any left. There are hardly any mental hospitals left. Like real old school insane asylums where, you know, certain people just they just need to be sent and whether or not drawing them out of drugs or anything will make any difference some people don't some people just have profound schizophrenia and you know and are psychotic and so on and so forth and some people just need to be institutionalized
1: those places are reserved for the priest and lady who won't let go of the latin mass now
2: uh, yeah exactly exactly that's where we're all going to end up I, <laughs> I hope the jello's good that's all i don't I want to laugh but i laughed yeah. <laughs> so um the, the crossing of the two curves between the increase in the incidence of homelessness and the kind of violence that we see, you know, going on now in cities and the decrease in the number of inpatient um, mental asylums. It, it, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure out what's going on here gotta start building um, gotta start building insane asylums and getting these people in there.
0: well, and that the need for that is only going to increase exponentially now yes. with the rise of marijuana use. Um, yes make make no mistake about that that um, marijuana, absolutely affects the chemistry of the brain, it it Mm -hmm. can and does cause psychosis. If -hmm. you're using marijuana at a young age, you have significant risk of developing schizophrenia. So and and I don't, you know, anyone listening to this who maybe is a boomer that said, Oh, I I did that back in my day. Well, the marijuana back in the 60s and 70s had about 2% THC. The, yeah. the marijuana that is being dispensed today is anywhere from 20 to 25% THC. So yeah. it's not the same drug. It's certainly much more potent. And we are only going to see an increase in mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the difference between
2: taking an aspirin and taking morphine. <laughs> it's just, it's, technically the same the same chemical category, but it's it's so completely, totally different. And sadly, we're seeing this now in the in the in the Trad Catholic family, people people going crazy, going um, apostate, atheist, and now openly confessing that they use marijuana and trying to encourage other people to use it too. And be careful Stay of the CBD. Yeah, be yeah.
0: careful of the CBD because there is a percentage of that that can be metabolized by your body into THC. So be very cautious with that.
2: Yep, absolutely. Very, very sad and
0: very frightening. I wanted to get back to your comment and on predators and mm-hmm. just give people a brief history on the origins of some of this modern trans movement that we're seeing now. Okay. Um there is a man people can look this up if if they really want more information. His name was Dr. John Money and money as in cash money M O N E Y. John Money. Okay. Um this guy was a researcher at Johns Hopkins University and he was a sex pervert. If you read about him his his um thoughts on sex and sexology are very bizarre crazy guy, completely diabolical. Was he a pedophile? Yes, and okay. he wanted he he was part of this movement um, that had ideas about you know cross dressing and 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 transsexuals, but he wanted um, his ultimate subject study subject would be identical twins because they're genetically identical. Mm-hmm. So he wanted, he had all of these bizarre theories and he wanted to, to do a study using identical twins to prove his point. And he got lucky because uh, there were twin boys in Canada. I think they were born in or around 1965. Um, their last name was Reimer, R E. I M E R, so people can look up the Reimer twins. Uh, They, the one brother was mutilated during a circumcision at the age of six months. His penis was mutilated. So his family took him home. Accidentally. 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 Okay. Okay. His family took Mm -hmm. him home, him and his other twin brother, and, and just tried to carry on with life. And you know, the parents were very distraught. And they came across this john money, they saw him on television. So they decided to take their boys from Western Canada, and travel to Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore and meet with Dr. Money, who promised that they that he could help them. And what he did his idea of helping them was to convince them to raise this boy whose name was Bruce, um, raise him as a female isn't, that's ironic in retrospect isn't, isn't it? it yeah that's and raise him as a girl yeah. and so from the age of 17 months they raised him as a girl and John money uh medicated him um convinced the parents to um mutilate him further um with you know complete castration um you know he had all of the, all of the things were done to this poor kid. And his mother Mm -hmm. then goes on to speak about how, despite everything that she did, raising him, teaching him to be a lady and and getting him into feminine um, sort of things and projects and interests, he always pushed back against that. And as he entered puberty and became a teenager, um, his family felt compelled to tell him the truth because he resisted so much being raised as a girl. Um, and so that finally, they they did tell him the truth. And for a while, you know, he he felt better and was more accepting of that. he He took on the name David. Um so he never went back to being Bruce, but he uh, took on the name of David because he said he felt like, David and Goliath, like he was always fighting this huge battle inside of himself, because he knew something wasn't right. Uh So he, uh, you can look him up, his name is David Reimer. Um, Unfortunately, his twin brother committed suicide, and then he also committed suicide. Um, It's it's a really horrific story. But both of the boys were... um, sexually abused by John Money, he did all sorts of just horrific experiments on them, and published papers to to proclaim that he fixed this kid, because this was a, a biological male that then lived life as a female. And when um, David Reimer, as a teenager, assumed his proper gender role mm-hmm. as a man, Dr. Money never retracted any of the papers, he never admitted to that he never admitted that ultimately his his gigantic Frankenstein study was a failure. He never mm-hmm. retracted any of that. So these papers live to this day, as the um, the basis for this entire movement. And it, it it's also Uh, been the basis for the feminists who have claimed that uh, gender is uh, a social construct, that we live in a patriarchy that forces women into this binary expression of of male and female and I mean this guy's fraudulent work has been the basis for all of this that we're now living in. Mm -hmm. So people can look that up if they want more of a historical perspective on how we got where we are. And someone should make
2: a movie, someone should write a screenplay on that and make a movie on that people need to know. And I say that because that's a really good way to get the information out there and to get people aware of it of what happened. Wow. Incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we know that the catechism tells us that um, by creating the human being, as man and and woman, God gives personal dignity equally to the one and to the other. In each of them, the man and the woman should acknowledge and accept his or her sexual identity. You know, yeah. um, Genesis, man and woman, He created them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is a gross satanic assault on God's creation. Please make no mistake. Yes, make no it's mistake rebelling. about that. Yeah.
2: Yep, it is, and and um, rebellion is the hallmark of Lucifer, and you know, talking about kids and teenagers, and going back to why is this so common now? Why is this so prevalent? Why is it all of a sudden that? What is it like? Thirty percent of American high school students yeah. volunteer, voluntarily declare themselves to be LGBT iq plus whatever Mm -hmm. um what what is this it's because it's rebellion and you know there's always that that phase of rebellion And i think what maybe the older listenership needs to understand is that nowadays the the boy uh, or and the girl who in our day would be going and smoking marlboro reds um standing across the street from the school um on a public sidewalk those rebellious kids and you know when i was growing up it was the kids who were wearing like um like Megadeth t-shirts and and heavy metal t-shirts and smoking cigarettes and yes some of them were in fact having sex yes absolutely but that was their rebellion smoking and and uh fornicating was kind of the, the youthful rebellion when I was a kid. You need to understand that the youthful rebellion today is not just being a sodomite, not just being a homosexual, but now the trendy rebellion is to rebel against your own sex. This is the what has been marketed and inculcated into children as being the new, cool, sexy, cutting edge form of rebellion. And it's, it's not like smoking cigarettes and listening to heavy metal music. This, this stuff can never, ever be walked back. Once it's done, it's done. Once you, once you cut a boy's penis off, that's it. It's never coming back. Once you remove his testicles, that's it. It's never coming back. Once you must mastectomize a girl that's it her breasts are never coming back i mean i suppose she could have some sort of a reconstructive implant surgery but why we can't even start saying well it's okay if she can go get silicone boobs if if she changes her mind no these things are irreversible irreversible catastrophic and if you deprive a child the ability to go through puberty they're going to they are going to be train wrecks health-wise for the rest of their life as as nurse claire said There's gonna be cardiac issues. There's gonna be all kinds of crap that we don't even know about yet because this is all brand new. What do you do if you take a girl and pump her full of testosterone when she's 11 years old? What is going to become of a boy if you pump him full of estrogen and, and testosterone suppressors when he's 11 years old? What is that doing to their internal organs? What is it doing to their brain? What is it doing to everything? It is catastrophic, irreversible. And it is, it's basically the analog of the kids who were smoking cigarettes back in the day. And that's, and that's how severe and how prevalent this is. And I see, I see it, I see so often just seeing, you know, people walking down the street and seeing young, um, what look to be, like high school and even I would say junior high age kids walking down the street more and more and more, lots and lots of girls who are m- trying to present themselves as being female sodomites and boys walking down the street look straight as arrows otherwise, but there they are holding hands and and kissing. And you're just like, this cannot, this cannot go on. China hurry up. We've got it coming and we know we've got it coming. So just we, we've got to get this to stop. And then, then circling back and tying this all up with a big red bow, um, <laughs> there, there, ain't no, there ain't no Congress and there ain't no President of the United States that's going to fix any of this. We have to have a radical return in terms of our form of governance to a highly concentrated power Probably a monarchy so that one person can start giving orders and those orders will be carried out, which will include criminalizing things, as we've talked about building mental hospitals and doing what needs to be done at this point and enforcing, enforcing the law and stopping with the tolerance of satanic evil.
1: And I don't think we're going to get there short of massive bloodshed.
0: No, no, I don't think so either. It's a nice mental image. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I don't dare to hope for that because, um, yeah.
2: Blood, bloodshed know. and a, combi- a combination of massive bloodshed and of, you know, starvation, mass starvation. Because supply chains will collapse. And as we talked about one or two episodes ago, people can't do anything anymore, you know? We you were just riding along on the coattails of people who came before us, technologies that they constructed and riding around on the coattails of people who are like on the fourth or fifth uh, standard deviation forward on the IQ bell curve, but Joe Schmo can't. Joe Schmo couldn't raise wheat and milk flour out of it if his life depended on it, literally. And so that's where we are. So just sitting here and <laughs> the, the Jeopardy, the Jeopardy music just popped into my mind. Just sitting here waiting, and, you know, the Jeopardy music is playing in the background and. How is it gonna play out? Is it gonna, are the Chinese gonna mandle, mount a land invasion? Is it gonna be nuclear? Is it going to be, I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna be, but uh, it's it's got to come to some sort of a head easily within, uh, this can't keep going like this for, uh, I would say we've got two decades tops. And I think that's probably an extraordinarily generous estimate
1: well, isn't the big war already scheduled for twenty twenty seven?
2: I don't know. I can't keep up. What's what's the latest? I haven't. Heard. I don't know either. It's just twenty twenty seven. Twenty thirty is also a very popular. I've, I've heard twenty twenty
1: nine. That's when the, the the prophecy of Fatima comes due. That's twenty twenty nine. Ah. Mhm. But I thought there was a, supposed to be a war breaking out before that. I don't know. It's it's hard to be from the future. It's hard enough just to be in the current.
2: Yeah well super nerd that was (laughs) it's an intense episode but i'm glad we did it because yeah nurse claire i think you're spot on that a lot of people just they don't they think that this is something that's going on like in los angeles or something and it's not it's going on in wichita it's going on in in lincoln it's going on in cheyenne it's going on in in tulsa and so on and so forth name a town and those of you who are who are in rural america I'd echo vehemently what nurse claire said if you if your kids are in public school you cannot trust you need to if they're in public school in a rural situation you need to be like a hawk all over everything because remember one of the things that these teachers are doing is they're they're goading these children into secrecy. Don't tell your parents, don't tell your parents. And that whole dynamic of saying, this is just between us. We're the smart ones. We're the cool kids. This is between you and me. We're we're a group together. Don't tell your parents. You think, oh, my children would never keep secrets from me. Oh, hell yes, they would. They absolutely would. You have to be all over everything even if you live in a little teeny tiny town of 1500 people and you think no I'm I've got the public school clocked everything's cool no it's not because where were those teachers educated and the other thing that has to be said is who are those teachers and that school board and those administrators who are they trying to kiss up to and who are they trying to impress well the ones in the 1500 population town in the middle of kansas are trying to kiss up to the people in kansas city or the people in wichita or wherever they're trying to kiss up to the next level up and that in a certain sense almost can drive them to be even more radical than people in in you know suburban suburban areas or something
0: like that. So don't you you cannot trust. You can't trust anybody. No, and with things like um no child left behind, which I think was that George W. Bush or Obama, w. but the w- public w, school w, systems yeah. throughout the United States were essentially federalized at that point. Yeah. That that had been in the works for many decades, but um federal money coming into public schools has influence substantially the curriculum and also the books that are in the library. And schools now are talking to children about sexuality at a very, very early age. Little kids do not need to hear about sex. That destroys the development of chaste friendship and this Mm -hmm. idea of um, charity and And love and you have children who have no sexual thoughts at all, who like their, their friends of the same sex because that's normal in young children. I mean, if you're a first grade boy, you're going to play on the playground with other first grade boys. That is normal, that is healthy. Almost militant almost militantly militantly yes. that that young children sex separate. Yeah. But then you have the adults in their lives telling them that sex is the ultimate expression of love. And so then they start thinking, well, I like my friend, then maybe I should be having sex with my friend. And, and it goes on and on and on. Um, and then you have the introduction of porn via um, smartphones and computers. Yeah. And if your kids are behind any kind of screen, I don't care what it is, television, iPad, phone, whatever, you have to know what they're looking at, you have to. You cannot allow a child to go off into another room and sit for four hours staring at who knows what because that's exactly how they fall down this rabbit hole. And there's testimony after testimony after testimony online of detransitioners who will say I was 14 years old and spending six hours a day staring at my phone, living this alternative life, living this secret life that my parents had no idea who I was talking to and what I was looking at. And then someone introduced them to this idea that they're trans or that they're gay or whatever. So,
2: And the other thing is, is you have to be damn careful about who your children are socializing with the The days of just you know, oh, um, little friend from school invited invited my kid over for a sleepover. Oh yeah, they they seem they seem cool. Yeah, that kid's they've been in school together for a couple years. Sure, I'm, we're going to go do a sleepover. Well, you can't do that now because you have absolutely no idea what that what your what your child could be exposed to when they are under the custody and supervision of. Some of some other adults, the parents of that child, and you don't know how are how were the parents of the other child? Are they being libertine with the child and allowing the child to have screens? And, you know, you don't permit your kid to have screens I, I you know, about I would suspect that a lot of the ways that these little kids and the, the statistics, they just keep getting creepier and creepier every year that first exposure to porn on average is like age 9 or something now. Well, how how are, how are a lot of kids? How is that happening? The parents will say, well there's absolutely no way that that's happening in my house under my watch. And well, no, but it's happening when they go over to their friend's house or their friends at school do have a phone, do have access to this, and then the friends at school show it to them. So, back in the day when we were kids, Um, you know, you would be perhaps exposed to lascivious talk from other children. So think back when you were a kid and there was that one kid in the school and yeah, his parents were a train wreck and he was the one who was secretly whispering and telling other kids about, you know, deviant sex acts and things like that. Okay, remember when we were kids and that was kind of the worst that we had to deal with was that one kid who was whispering on the playground. Whispering on the playground is now some kid whips out his phone and is showing your eight-year-old, your nine-year-old full-blown pornographic films, many of them sodomitical. Um at age nine. Now think about yourself when you were age eight or age nine. What if you had seen something like that at that age? Think about, would you have been able to process it? Would you have been terrified? How would you have psychologically dealt with seeing, I mean, things that are so heinous that to this day, I thank God I, I've never seen. I've never seen sodomitical pornography um i only seen still images of um heterosexual pornography um wh- how could you deal with that if you're eight years old and and a uh, little jimmy little jimmy trailer trash is showing your kid like a a, a 10 minute long video of two men it's how how and put yourself in your child's place and and have some empathy and have some compassion and then do everything that you possibly can to make sure that that doesn't happen to your children. And if that means that you have to be kind of the quote unquote wacky quasi antisocial person in the neighborhood or in the school or whatever, so be it, so be it. Uh I mean, let's what's the balance here that people are, are saying things about you that you're you're some sort of an ultra right whack job who, who is a helicopter parent or of, the, of, of your children or your children are being exposed to gay porn at age eight, nine, ten, whatever. I mean, that's that's a no brainer to me. Human human respect can go jump in the river. Okay. leave the human respect behind. You've got to do everything you can to to defend your family and even other adults. I mean, there's there's even a sense now where we have to we have to look out for each other. We have to look out for other adults, other young adults and be willing to step into the breach and say, no, this is we've got you've got to shut this down. I cannot facilitate this, et cetera, et cetera. You know. Yep.
1: Well, I hesitate to say on that happy note, but on that heavy note, um, should we wrap it up?
2: I think we probably should. Yes, sir.
1: The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good news items for wrapping up the podcast. The email address is podcast at barnhart.biz and expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. At least one traditional Catholic mass is said for all of her benefactors every single day. And every week there is a traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass said for everybody who died in the previous week. I don't have any list of who died in the last week, but, um, if you know somebody, oh, it's,
2: ev- it's everyone, right. It's everywhere. well, I mean, every, every once in a while
1: I've got, I've got a list of, of a person or two who's, who's notable, whose name you, yeah. you might recognize. Uh, I don't have that this week. Just know that if, for those of you who do know somebody who died, there was a mass that was, that was offered for them. And please take a moment to pray for the priests. Uh, whether the priests, whether they are the priests saying the masses or just priests in general, um, they're the targets of so much of this, some of those topics that we're talking about here in in, in this podcast. Um, hopefully they're not partakers in it. They're, they're certainly under influence to, to ratify it. Good grief. That's coming up next month, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And the other thing is they do, they have, um, interaction with it. And this is something that I just, so very much respect about priests and something that I just don't think I could do is that they do have tangential connections to these things in the confessional. And I I can't imagine the things that priests are hearing on a regular basis at this point. It just, it makes your flesh crawl. And remember, they have to, they have to go basically swim in a sewer and then they have to Pop out of the box and like nothing happened. And a lot of them, I suspect, as the world gets darker and darker and darker, are carrying around. I don't even know if trauma is the right word, but I can only imagine at this point how traumatic sitting in the confessional can be for a Catholic priest. And so I I would imagine
0: it's almost like a PTSD type phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And how do you how do you hear that stuff and then not just become misanthropic and not lose your faith in humanity and still are able to, you know, see the good in other people and not just want to go screaming, pulling your hair out, running off into the hills. Um, just have some empathy and stop and think about what they go through there. And, and yes, absolutely pray for them. Pray for them.
1: I guess the, the, the statement can be made that that's in a way, what the priest signed up for is to find the miserable, wretched souls and to give them God's forgiveness.
2: Indeed. But can you can you imagine, though, like a priest who's, let's say there's a priest who's 60 years old right now, who was ordained 30 years ago, or you could go even older than that, who's 80 years old right now and still goes and sits in a box somewhere and was ordained... 50, 55 years ago, um, did they know that they would be hearing people confess the sort of things that people are now routinely confessing? Because a lot of those sins just weren't routinely being committed, and some of them weren't even possible 50, 40, 50, 60 years ago. So it's Yeah, the young guys, I think the young guys know that they're going to war. But I think there's probably a window of older priests who were just like, oh, oh dear, (laughs) I I didn't realize that was going to be, you know, carrying around the sorts of things that that people are confessing nowadays, I I suspect.
1: So, yes, play please pray for the priests. They need it in ways that we don't even quite understand. And until the tonight's conversation, I'd never even thought about this particular angle. So yeah. And
0: they can't
2: talk about it either. That's the other exactly. thing. They can't talk about it. Exactly. So yeah, they're carrying the cross. Yeah. And of
1: course, don't forget that in the communion of saints, we have a, a patron among us uh, with the, or I, sh- I should say in, in the Barnhart podcast family, St. Tiny princess, uh, don't fail to invoke her. Uh, when you pray for priests or any other topic, she's in the B-Type of Vision. She, can, she definitely has the ability to help. So so call on her, please.
2: And she's establishing quite a little track record. So. She is, yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: The Barnhart Podcast is a value-for-value value podcast. If you got some value out of this, whether it's entertainment, education, warning, um, whatever value you got, please consider returning some value. And you can learn more about how to do that at supernerdmedia.com. And since the last podcast, I want to recognize one donor. There was no, nobody did, nobody through the mailbox, at least through Friday, which is the last time I checked the mailbox. And uh via Amazon, uh BNC. <laughs> I think that's how I'm gonna refer to him from now on. It's it's Bruce, not Caitlin. <laughs> uh <laughs> and he sends the note super nerd, you, and nurse claire, and doctor beep rock, god bless. And he's he signed it, Bruce, but I'm I'm just gonna call him BNC from now on. I hope he's cool with that. (laughs) Uh, And it's over to you for Matthew 1720.
2: Our fourfold intention every day that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole Bergoglio anti-papacy be publicly nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope from April of 2005 until his death on December 31st, 2022. And for the Petrine See in say and for its integrity and that it would be swiftly filled according to the divine providence that bergoglio repent revert to catholicism die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and for the repose of the soul of pope benedict ratzinger nothing less will do our lady of copacabana slayer of the taco taco mama demon pray for
1: us amen and i don't want to end here without asking Nurse Claire if she's got anything to say, because we did do a long interruption here, and with, and I forgot to ask if she had any parting words. So, uh, Nurse Claire, back to you.
0: I don't. I echo everything that you and Anne have said. Saint Tiny Princess, pray for us.
1: Amen, and until next time, I am Super Nerd.
0: And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless.
2: It's an intense episode, but I'm glad we did it.